0: Listening to Beckett's Babies. We're your hosts, Sam Collier
1: and Sarah Cho. And today's play of the month uh, was recommended to, to us by Mickey. So May is Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. I know mouthful of words, um, <laughs> but <laughs> so we read The King of Hell's Palace, written by uh, Francis Yachukawig. Um So we're really excited to talk about it mickey thank you for the recommendation uh, we are ready to jump into it yeah i hadn't heard of this
0: play um and i'm really really glad that mickey suggested it because it's uh so good um here's a brief summary for those of you who haven't read it yet when the Henan ministry of health begins paying citizens for blood plasma which is then sold to pharmaceutical companies Impoverished farmers in the province's remote villages sell blood to buy fertilizer, mend their houses, and create a better life for their children. As corrupt health officials cut costs to maximize profits, safety standards are ignored, bringing potential catastrophe to China's most vulnerable population. Inspired by true events, this gripping drama explores the conflicts that arise when a community's greatest source of capital becomes their own bodies. Uh, so, this play, yeah, it was really um beautiful and sad and um I don't know. I, I just found it really powerful. Do you wanna mm-hmm. do you wanna tell listeners a little bit about the playwright and then we could jump into our initial yeah, impressions absolutely.
1: Yeah so Frances Yachukowig, she is an internationally produced playwright whose work has been staged in the United Kingdom at the Royal Shakespeare Company, the National Theatre, Trafalgar studios to West End, and the Unicorn Theater. Unicorn Theater, that's a cute name. Um, In the (laughs) United States, her work has been staged at venues that include the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, Manhattan Theater Club, and the Goodman Theater. And I hadn't read anything else by her, had you? Mm Mm-mm, no. Um, As I'm like, as you were reading the summary, I was like, oh, you know what? I kind of remember actually now back in 20, like, few years ago maybe this play like kind of like in the news or something like I don't know in the in the playwriting zeitgeist now that you said that like read the summary out loud I was like oh I think I do remember this play Hmm. being made somewhere but I just had no idea that was like years ago um
0: yeah I definitely want to read more of her work this is she's a new playwright to me
1: so yeah let's jump into just first impressions um of the play it's when you've read it okay you
0: want me to go first
1: yeah I mean, sure <laughs> i just
0: gosh it was so okay so first impressions first of all i love that it's about a community and this you know big family and that there's so many characters um mm-hmm. I, it's really refreshing to read a play with a lot of characters and also i just kept thinking about courage um, and bravery and how um, how much courage it takes to stand up to the people you love and do the right thing even when everyone around you is saying um, keep quiet
1: mm. Oh Sam that's beautiful <laughs> <laughs>
0: What about you? What are your initial impressions?
1: My initial impression was and I, and maybe because we haven't read a play like this, but like adapting or like a mm. a, a historical event of another country that I was like unfamiliar with. Mm-hmm. Like and but how easily I was able to like just understand everything like how specific the story is right like how um like in a co- different culture and and how immediately I was like oh wow there's so much here like the the morality of this play and everything like it's just, it's so human I could relate to this like I understand this yeah. despite the the difference in culture or society or whatever um yeah so that was like one thing i'll say this like in terms of like asian-american like for me like i was like this isn't really an asian-american play Mm -hmm. off the bat like because i'm like for an asian-american and i'm still like you guys i'm still learning like i'm still kind of like grappling this what Asian American experience even right now as a 30-year-old woman. (laughs) But it's like, (laughs) right? It's like, what does being an Asian in America mean? Like raised in America and where your heritage is from another place and you're like grappling with these two identities. Like, Mm. I feel like that is so like very Asian American experience. Whereas this is like obviously about an event in a different country, uh, it's a historical play, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like a different thing. Although there was like that scene, which we'll get into more, I guess, but um, where there the, the family, the two cousins and the two two brothers, two cousins, like, and like one is they're from America. And then there's, this, right. there's some scene there that was kind of like, there are moments of tackling that issue. But I would say like overall, like this play to me wasn't really like, oh, an Asian-American play. The, right. Like the way, that like, like, sense. Lauren Yee's, like, *Ching Chung China Chinaman, like, that's obviously specific to the Asian-American experience, whereas this was not like that, but.
0: Do you, would you draw the distinction at um, whether, uh, where the play is set? Like, if the play is set in the U.S., mm. does that make it Asian-American, whereas since this is set in China? Maybe,
1: good, qu- that's a good question maybe or if it was like if it was set in china and maybe the character was like we're all american and Mm -hmm. they're like having like i was raised this way to think this way but here i am in china that all my thinking is backwards or whatever and then like that i think that conflict of that yeah because that's a good point
0: because we there there were johnny and um what's his brother's name i'm looking now. peter yeah it... johnny and peter but they
1: were really the the foreigners the outsiders in right this,
0: in the story mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah um yeah so that was just my impression but like this play on its own to me on its own right like what it was gra- like there it what was grappling with or what the tackle, like the themes that I was like trying to put into the play was like way different like this this is its own play like i'm not mm-hmm. gonna try to like um force asian american stuff into it like it's because i even though like it wasn't even though it was maybe written by an asian american it was just like that it's i'm just gonna like look at this play on its own as what it is if that makes yeah, sense. that makes sense. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, yeah.
0: I think too. I want to. I want to touch on too that I think, you know, at least my understanding of the HIV/AIDS epidemic mm. growing up was so much centered around, you know, first the epidemic in this country, and then, um, I guess, as I grew older, I became aware of. Um, the impact that AIDS has had on um, sub-Saharan Africa. But I didn't really, I, I guess I was, I mean, I was never aware of this story um, mm. and the, cause this is based on a true story. Um, yeah. The, the kind of, the way in which, um, you know, kind of uh, capitalism or just like, um, the kind of the um, search for a higher standard of living is intertwined with this like this risk um, and disease for this community in rural China um, and I think that's one thing that theater can do really well is is teach us about stories that have been kind of lost in the or or just disappeared Mm. um because they're they're particular and they're not necessarily part of the global conversation yeah so i'm really glad to
1: have learned about it yeah me too yeah i i it really made me think, like, wow, what? what? Well, first off, I was a little kid in the nineties. So I was like, I, didn't, I had no idea yeah. what the world was, but, um, I, it, I, I think around this time, American history, right? Like Bill Clinton, it was like something <laughs> going on there.
0: Well, that wasn't. That it, was
1: a few years later. Oh, it's oh. See you guys. I'm. I'm this is in kidding.
0: 1992. I just see that on the back. The oh yeah, yeah. So, Clinton was just elected in ninety
1: two. But I think there's something about this play, something around the country where like things are becoming globalized. Yeah. So when it when this play specifically goes into like the this business of selling blood and the body, the plasma, these characters these farmers who are poor, who don't have money or anything or willing to like sell their body for money. Um, Like there's a line here that the character says that, it, that just, that I kind of kept coming back to. And I think I re- repeat a couple times, this character Kwan says, you shouldn't sell your life force. Mm, there was yeah. a line that just kind of like, just, just had a ripple effect throughout the whole play where this character like obviously calling out, pointing out something to them. Like, and in this play, they really, there's just two things that are kind of going on where like the body, your blood is like who you are and like where you're from, our family history, and you can't just like give it away. And then how easily they justify, they're like, well, you know, our blood replenishes really quickly. So it's fine. We'll make more of it and we'll make more money. And like the consequence at the in act two that it plays, but it's just with the right. eight. And it was and like- Well,
0: and they're not being told anything about the risks and and also the proper um, protocols of, you know, returning only that person's blood back into their body. Right. Those like, protocols are not being followed. So- Yeah. It's just so dangerous and- and all they're talking about is, like, is the money and the profit.
1: Yeah. Especially because right now, right, this disease, this, like, is a whole – still new. Like, we don't yeah. know at time. They don't know a lot about AIDS, what's going on. But it's, like, there are these symptoms. It's killing people. Um, right, because at first you
0: know, they're worried about hepatitis, right? I mean, I think – Right. At first yeah. they're like, oh, well, AIDS is a Western disease. It's not oh. here. But mm-hmm. but there is hepatitis.
1: Yeah. There's just so much. I'm just like, I'm I can't help but make the parallel of our current pandemic. Like I just I can't know, help it. I, I just can't help it. Like this like who is dying? Like a majority of deaths, right? Are like mm-hmm. poor folks who just like who don't have money. And then so the same way in this play Or, like, these farmers. Yeah. Um, Like, and this is why, like, also, like, when there are all these, like, therapeutics or, like, um, medicines that's coming out, I'm, like, so skeptical. I'm, like, we don't know anything about this virus or, like, there's not much more out there. Like, there's new things or new information that's coming up and that, that there are solutions already or something. I'm, like, I'm so highly skeptical about it. And so it just makes me think of this play, also, right, right, because there's so much we still don't know. Because, yeah, especially in Act Two, when the so the in Act Two, the characters have this vi- this AIDS, and they're sick. And the two parents go to the the doctor that had say them initially in the first act, mm-hmm. and they go to her saying like. Please, like, save our child. Like, we'll, you know, we'll do anything. Well, here's like, we'll come up with money or whatever, like, kind of bargaining with her. Yeah. But I'm like, it's 1996, like, six years later or so.
0: Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot there was the six year jump. Yeah. You're totally right. Bill Clinton, yeah. that was happening.
1: <laughs> Aha, I knew it during
0: act two. Yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right.
1: Um, so, six years later, Still, there's not a lot of information yet. I mean, like, the more there are more so, but it's not like there is a cure. Even today, I don't think right. there's a cure. But like, there's no cure. And then this, like, hope in this woman, like, go and save this person. Like, that's the tragedy for me when I was reading. I was like, there is no cure for this. And yet they're putting so much hope into this woman to save them. Right. Um, it's ugh, just heartbreaking. My, yeah. So heartbreaking.
0: Yeah. And I think maybe what compounds that that heartbreakingness is is the not knowing you know that like these Mm -hmm. people were taken advantage of and 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 they're the ones who are suffering while this company is making a lot of money Mm -hmm. it's just so sad
1: (sighs) i'm just sighing over here just sighing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Do you, I guess one thing I'm
0: wondering is um, in what way might you take inspiration from this play? Like is, was there um, anything that made you want to write something similar or inspired by it? um,
1: You know, every time I read a play, I'm always astonished where it starts and how it ends and that uh, whole journey. Like I'm mm-hmm. I, I and this play specifically there's kind of two really cool things where it's very um it feels very ancient. And I think it's ancient because like it like talks about like the mythology some mythology in there, some um spirits and like that part of the culture that mm-hmm. you, like, obviously their beliefs is rooted on to some stories of their, you know, their culture. Right. And then the other aspect of the play that sort of competes with those ideas is like the modernism of it all, like the science and the technology, mm-hmm. you know, like that. I don't know why, but those two things like really stood out to me too in the play. Then I'm like, here, it's like a race, you know, <laughs> kind of like, here's one side they're rooted in their heritage and the stories that they tell and who they like the whole like hell's palace, right. It's like the, some mythology Mm that they all grew up knowing. And then here is this other entity of like uh, advancing in technology and how that sort of impedes those ideas or competes Mm -hmm. with those ideas. So it like, I liked how the, that, those two dramas of it, it was like having this, and how yeah. it collides with the ends, like watch kind of like watching the two things happening. Um, so I guess that's like a thing to think about when I'm writing a play is is to to create that beginning, middle, end. Like what are those two or one, even one, but like those ideas, those themes, and how it kind of transforms. Throughout mm-hmm. the play. And having these kind of
0: competing ideologies mm-hmm. or competing forces. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's so true because you, even though in a way, because this is in the past, I, you know, I felt like I kind of knew how it was all going to turn out. <laughs> you know, I mean, it just, mm-hmm. there's just this feeling of doom hanging over a lot of the play. Um, but you don't necessarily know what's gonna happen for these specific characters, even though you might know how the broader history is gonna go. Yeah.
1: Another takeaway, I'll say, um, I'm always thinking about when I'm writing the play, when the next play is like, what image do I want to leave the audience with at the end? You mm-hmm. know. And then I think the the ending of this was, Oh, it's just so heartbreaking. Where the, the, I think it's the youngest Pei Pei, she, they put all their hope and they're like, they, the family knows they're dying. Yeah. And they're like, she is our light. Like, she's going to, she's get, the one. She's the one that's going to keep our family moving forward, like our history, our heritage. Like, she's going to keep us moving forward. And the end, I'll just read it real quickly. Um, Pei-pei pushes an oversized altar on stage. The altar contains framed portraits of old Yang, Wen, Quan, Lily, Luo na and Han-han, and is decorated with offerings for the dead, paper joss clothing, incense, food, beer, and peonies. Like, it's like, oh, she is burying her family. Like, she's... Yeah. And it's... So I'm like, you're so young. You're too young, <laughs> like, to go through this. Or... um. So it was like who, who is there for her now?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's so, yeah. That, thinking about that is what image do you want to leave your audience with to sort of stamp this play? Yeah,
0: yeah, and it made me think too about how you know big historical events really happen at the level or at the scale of the family or of individual relationships Mm. and and how, you know, right now we're living through this really big pandemic that is changing everything we know about, you know, the way the world operates and like international trade and, um, you know, at the big societal and international levels, everything is changing. But we experience that at the level of our individual relationships. Um, And I think this play has a lot to teach us as playwrights about how to tell big stories in a way that fits onto a stage. Mm -hmm. You know, she's looking at at this one family and kind of what this one character, Pei-Pei, is left
1: with. I'm just pondering over here. (laughs)
0: it's really ambitious I mean I think just like the number of characters um, it's a big story and and yet it doesn't feel uh, it doesn't feel overwhelming in terms of its
1: scope it feels like
0: yeah I I I would love to see a production of
1: it me too. Um, I had a question. Yeah. So um, there are moments of the family singing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your takeaway on that? Like what, what what, those moments of song, like how did that make you feel? Or like what um, or how do you think, well, like what do you think the purpose was in this moment, in this scene when they sing? Or, Wait, or, is there
0: a particular scene you're talking about? Because there are a couple times when, like, they're singing into a just, potato.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I think it's, like, whenever it happens. Like, every time it happened. Like, yeah. what do you think it was doing to the scene? Or what do you think it was?
0: Um, yeah, yeah, that's such a good question. Okay, to be honest, I mean, I feel like any time I encounter singing in any play,
1: uh-huh.
0: I, I have a really hard time imagining or like making myself imagine what that would be like in a production. And so I kind of just skip over it. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. This is really bad. I kind of just skim the words and go back mm-hmm. and, and like skip ahead to where they start talking yeah. again. Because mm-hmm. I I feel, um, uh, I don't know, like I'm uneducated musically. <laughs> extent where i don't i just don't even really know what to imagine so
1: funny Um, yeah i but i I, I guess there
0: like there were some moments where they were like say as i said singing into potatoes and being kind of silly where i felt like i could get the gist of it um Mm -hmm. or you know or they're like singing to flirt or whatever and so i guess i kind of understood the broad the broad strokes of that without. Really spending a lot of time on it. I
1: don't know. What about you? No, 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 no. I, totally valid, totally valid. I see you. Um, <laughs> no, I, I I think I'm in the same boat where I, I'm you know, I musically I'm just kind of like tone deaf and everything. Um but I think initially it's kind of like, oh, here's a moment of breaking a song. I'm just gonna like read it, but I'm not gonna really take it in. Yeah. Where until the very end, that last scene, right? I like. Right. Then it made me like really read those words, and then kind of like look back. And but you mean when the ghosts are singing? Yes, the ghosts that are singing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. It made me really, really think. Like, what do these words actually mean? Because they it's repeated a few times of this city or town. Yeah. um, uh, here I'll just the ghost of it high above on the mountain side floats a cloud so white. There lies peaceful King Ding Town, bathed in silver moonlight. Moonlight shines bright over King Ding Town. Oh, it was like a beautiful image, but I was just like thinking, like, <laughs> as this ghost singing it, like it. I feel like it took me to a whole new level of location. <laughs> like I'm like, oh, like instead of this like singing of a a song of a past or like a you know something just kind of a little like a little jig you know whatever <laughs> whatever but I was mm-hmm. like oh this is something th- that a song to their ancestors or something something like more meaningful something yeah. bigger and then it kind of took me to another place but I don't know why but I think also reading it even there's some little rhyme to it I don't know if this is like it's a translation or something where I was like it was kind of didn't have a flow that I was used to when it comes to like a song or something,
0: mm-hmm. so. right? There, like our rhythm, yeah, I, yeah. And I think that's part of why it's hard for me to imagine how it would sound. But yeah, but yeah, I agree. That final image of the town is so haunting and beautiful, and um, it almost makes it seem like this whole place has faded away along with the people who lived there oh yes yeah and the another thing that I really love I think I, I was talking about courage at the beginning I just love the story of Yin Yin and her kind of unrelenting determination to get the truth out mm-hmm. no matter what it costs her personally um mm-hmm. I think it's it's just so inspiring to read plays, particularly about women, um, who are kind, of, women who are undervalued or kind of taken for granted, or I mean, it, people just kind of overlook her at the beginning of the play or don't recognize her intelligence or her um, strength. And then, but she is so determined to tell the truth about how they're mixing blood um, at these centers. And I, I don't know, I just love stories like that where, you know, stories about people who are committed to telling the truth, even if it comes at great cost to them.
1: Yes I'm so glad you mentioned yin uh, yin yin because on the other side of that coin the another female character Jasmine yeah Right? <laughs> kind of the same like yeah. mentality but both of them for two very different like one is like obviously for good one is like very corrupt but like they're coming from this like strong motivation you know right um, right so it it really made me think of this afterward um so in this play that um we read at the end there's like a little afterward um listeners if you have the play highly recommend this afterward at the end has a provide context but i'm just gonna read this one little line here in these three distinct examples and then they talk about taiwan um prc the u.s prc i'm trying to remember what that is but you guys, isn't, sorry. It,
0: isn't it People's Republic of China? People's, yeah. Okay. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Taiwan, the People's Republic of China, and the U.S. Now, um, political forces instrumentalize aids to distinguish between who is worth protecting and who the state will let die. Mm. And I think that wow. really resonated to this play. You know, who in the world, even today, they're in a pandemic, but who do we let just yeah. people die, and who do we like keep and survive and save? Um, whose
0: lives are worth, mm-hmm. yeah, are worth protecting.
1: And those like two, I love how these two ideas, right? They Francis sort of put it into Jasmine and Yin Yin. Like, and those kind of they're dramatizing this through the, the through the character. Mm-hmm. Um, so man. Oh, I need to breathe. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, listeners, we really recommend this play.
1: <laughs> yes, we really do. Yeah, it's.
0: It gave us a lot to think about.
1: Mm-hmm. Really well written and with so much material. Like, I mean, I'm always I'm always just kind of. Hesitant about writing any kind of adaptation Historical play because I feel overwhelmed Like this is so much information like I don't know I don't know where to begin like how do I put it together How do I create a right, story Right just the
0: and, research I mean she must have yeah. done so much research Yeah
1: Yeah, And still And able to like Serving this play Respectfully and like tactfully and like You know just and making it so beautiful Telling a beautiful story at the same time <sighs> All Right you guys I'm just fanning myself because I am just so like when to play this is you you know it's good when you're fanning yourself, okay? <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so listeners, we hope you get a chance to read it. If you haven't, um highly recommend it. Shall we move into glissons? Yes, glistens. You wanna go first? Sure. Um over the weekend. Uh, I got my phone and I see a news, breaking news, saying that this actor, comedic actor, we've all seen him. I mean, if you might not, maybe when you see his face, you'll know him. But Fred Willard died. Mm. And I... I don't like follow. I don't. I don't. I rarely have like favorite comedians, right? But I do see like and respect when I, you know, when I watch a lot of comedies, like a class of comedians, and he was part of that class of like um, Catherine O'Hara and you know, Eugene Levy and like all these people that can't all from their don't, different places, but the sort of this this class of comedic actors. Um he was in spinal tap, he was in best in show or he made appearances. So when I read that, I was just like it always takes me to a place of like like what? Like why do we lose such good people, like such like talent or whatever, but to make room, I guess, but <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sorry. God. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry, sorry. Do you uh, have a um do you have a favorite role that he was in that you thought of first? I think, I think my brain went to um, Anchorman. I think he mm. was in Anchorman the first, or maybe in all of them, but how he's just a very polished, grounded actor who could just like deliver those lines just like, just so well. Like it's kind of like the same with Eugene Levy. Like they, they're these like really great actors. Like they're first great actors that just know how to bring the funny and all the fun organically, naturally, so like easily. Um, mm-hmm. so, I've never yeah.
0: seen Anchorman. Maybe I should watch it this weekend.
1: Oh, I don't know if you'll like it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I wonder if it feels dated. It just like now the comedies I really find feel dated, and obviously like there has there's some issues, but Anchorman is very um, like. It was ground. It was groundbreaking when it first came out. So yeah, probably worth watching. Um, yeah. So that's my Glisten. I, I hate when I hate reading about celebrity deaths because then I go on this like depressing s- circle of like, um, reading about their whole life and like wh- yeah. you know what everything they've been in and just like how did they get there and how did and and then I just like really respect their journey and
0: did you know that all these news outfits like they write obituaries for people sometimes years before they die so that they have uh-huh. the obituary ready to go yeah isn't that crazy? Is crazy yeah and so like so when big things happen in famous people's lives it's the job of some reporter to update the like future obituary that will be published oh my gosh when that person dies yeah well i mean because that's how they can put out an obituary like an hour after somebody
1: wow yeah you're right dies you know yeah
0: yeah but it's got to be kind of morbid work i don't know maybe they just get used to it but okay well my glisten is porcupines oh (laughs) My poor dog had a an encounter with a porcupine over a week ago. Uh, I had to pull out with my bare hands, like, uh, I don't know, something like 100 quills out of his face and his paws and all over his body. And then I had to rush him to the emergency vet where they took out a whole bunch more quills under anesthesia. And then this is just what happens the quills that they're not able to get out at first because they're too deep inside the body just like continue to move around inside the dog's body for days and then come out in random places and then you have to pull them out with tweezers so yesterday true story a quill came out of his penis I had to rip it out with tweezers um it was a very painful experience oh. for both of us. Um, yeah, my poor dog. Ugh. He's on painkillers, but you know it's still it's still pretty rough.
1: Oh, it's it, and I before the show you said like it it's so hard to see. Your pet in pain. Like, it's so hard. They can't communicate. They can't tell you what's wrong. Like they can't
0: <laughs> Okay, so- and here's something I just learned yesterday, because I went to the farm stand that I frequent to go pick up some produce. And the person there told me that sometimes her cows get porcupine quills in that in their legs. The cows. She said that was a whole new thing for her. Yeah. So I thought it was bad pulling quills out of a dog, but I cannot imagine pulling quills out of a cow. Wow. And I guess they could be in the side of their body, too, because, like, cows lie down. hmm What? What is Maine. this, like... Maine is a dangerous... Invasion <laughs> of porcupines. <laughs> like, what the hell? You guys... Well, ugh. I think this is the time of year that they move around more. But it is, it is humbling, and it's good to remember that, like, whatever harm porcupines are causing or you know murder hornets or whatever like it's nothing compared to what humans are doing to the earth so it's good to keep a little perspective and remember that like have never built a bomb or clear-cut a rainforest and it's all relative <laughs> sorry for that depressing thought
1: no, no. this this podcast episode <laughs> is just overall just a very uh, solemn one. <laughs> yeah. And that note, listeners, her next month's play <laughs> is going to be Elaine May's Power Plays. Um, Elaine May, she was part of that comedic duo, Nickel and May, um, with my nickels. And so these are just like collection of plays that she wrote. Um, that I'm really excited to read. Um, I think let's. I mean, we started, we want to talk about comedies on the show, so I think this play might be also kind of open up Um, what comedies look like in this in these plays. Aha!
0: It might be a little less depressing than our past, past couple of plays,
1: <laughs> yeah. So let's. We're gonna take a little breather and just read these plays and then we'll laugh and look at the situation although who knows right we haven't read these read these yet maybe they're just as depressing I don't <laughs> know no That's promises true. here folks. no promises here all right thanks for listening as always we appreciate everyone's um, messages and emails and thank you for liking subscribing and sharing. Don't forget our- to review us. Leave us a, a glowing review. Ooh, wow, way to challenge our listeners.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll appreciate that. Thank you.